Hey guys, we're finally live here in the Mission at Tennis Together's office doing our first podcast, our official podcast after months of planning and talking. We're here live and we're going to go ahead and introduce ourselves. My name is Eduardo Torres. I'm the Northern California Regional Coordinator for Tennis Together and I'm really happy to be joined here with our crew. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Lupe Arreola. I am the Executive Director for Tennis Together. Hi, my name is Shanti Singh. I am the Communications and Development Coordinator for Tenants Together. Woohoo! We did it, guys. We're so excited. Yeah, we did. So, why are we here? Why are we doing this? I don't know, Eduardo. Why do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> why do we do this? <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, basically, we wanted to do a podcast in order to, you know, one, so people know who we are because we do awesome work mm-hmm. in our communities and in California around Ted and Rights. And um, we also talked about, you know, we want to change the narrative. I know that you've talked about, about that a lot before. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's important because you always hear like... Um, like everyone else has like some sort of medium, right? Like on YouTube, on, on, you know, I saw this video once where this guy was just really ranting about rent control and I just really like, you know, made me mad, you know, because he was saying some really outlandish stuff. So, um, but I mean, besides that, the work that we do here, right, we're all affected with the increasing of rents and everything like that. So um, we definitely all want to like have that ability to change the narrative. So that's kind of where I'm at with my end. Yeah, people want to know what's going on in renters' rights struggles in California. And a lot of times, because we're not really, you know, because people aren't always always talking about or reporting on tenant organizing and grassroots movements in California the way that they should, a lot of people might not know about stuff going on in their backyard that's really important to them. So mm-hmm. we want to change that. That's right. And there's some bad stuff being said out there, right? We all mm-hmm. hear all those negative things that we hear in the media and see in the newspapers. So... I mean, can I tell you, I did sure. a quick little, you know, a little, you know, look-see through my podcast um, provider. Okay. And basically the majority of podcasts were, this is why tenants are bad, or this really? is why a landlord, like, this is what you as a landlord need to do. Wait, and there's eviction podcasts? Well, there's landlord podcasts, yeah. Well, there's lots of landlord podcasts, yes. See, uh, okay, that, that kind of goes back to why, <laughs> yes. you know, because why, why we need to do this, you know, because, yes. like, we know that there's the landlords have all sorts of resources, and, you know, the, a lot of property managers have way more resources than, than some of us, so... <laughs> That's I, I'm not surprised to hear like they have their own podcast. I mean, there's also a few there's also a few like tenant rights focused mm-hmm. podcasts out there. Saw a good one out in Portland. Saw mm-hmm. a couple of good ones for students that were you know who have issues with housing. But you know we have a really particular voice, right. which is that as tenants together as a statewide tenant rights organization, mm-hmm. you know we're looking at the entire state of California and you know, how we're fighting displacement, how we're increasing tenant protections, and, you know, how we're doing that with partners all around the state. So Right. And it's important to share all that because if we don't tell the story, who's going to tell it? Landlords. Right. <laughs> yeah. And their weak podcast. Exactly. Ours is going to be better. I can't even imagine what the podcast would sound like. It's really, really boring. boring. <laughs> like, Have you listened to them? Yes. No, we've had to debate the California Apartment Association on the radio. It can't be very exciting. I listen to it. It's really boring. Oh, okay. Uh, well, if you go on YouTube, you probably see, you probably have like seen all these like um, how to get rid of your tenant videos. And like, you know, there's a lot of that. Yeah. We, we could do a, a review of the Landlord Podcast in the future. <laughs> yeah, future, in future That's a future show. And that future could be episodes. like, a, yeah, the, the top 10, you know, you know, least, yeah. what, what would you call it? The top 10? Um, the worst or, yeah. I don't know, the yeah. most offensive Landlord Podcast? There you go. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, that it, definitely sounds like a show. Um, yes, definitely. Um, we'll and, put together a montage. <laughs> and... You know, and basically, we are here because tenant rights are important, damn it. That's right. Um, you know, we are the, you know, the uh, uh, almost half the state of California is renters. Um, most, many cities and counties around the state are half renters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the increase in property values and the lack of really jobs that can allow us to even buy a home and just mm-hmm. the lack of resources for loans and student debt and so on. So many of us, even in, you know, 
in the at the right young age of 40, you know, <laughs> like we're not able in, in all the way to people who are just getting yeah. out of college, you know, right. are not able to buy homes. So most of us are forced to rent. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, definitely having, you know, knowing that being tenants means you're one majority of the state, but two, right. you're also basically not have don't have as much control over you know, what happens to your housing. And, you know, we, well, we're actually, I feel we're here to say that's not the case, that as tenants and as renters, we have political and economic power right. and that which we need to be more strategic about using and we need to be, um, and that we can use in order to create a better, you know, conditions. Right. Yeah. You know, um, so how deep I, are we in the state, by the way? What? How, how many renters are in the state, by the way? 17 million. 17 no, million. At the same what? Time. 17, There's more 17. people. 18. We're coming we should, up that should be a chance. 17 million. 17. So every year we got to change it because it goes up. Million, right? There might be 18 now. Yeah, I, I think, think there's more tenants than people who watch the Kardashians. That's I think very so. believable. Well, they got, I think they're, so. they're, they've been canceled. <laughs> they're, they're not like literally canceled. I mean, like they're hashtag canceled. Like, yeah. Hashtag canceled. Yeah. Oh my God. Can we say like. Connie went to the White House. They're like, they're not that the brand yeah. is, the brand is suffering. Can yeah. we say like evictions or hashtag canceled? It's all about, <laughs> right. it's all about, it's all about Vanderpump rules now. You know? That's too funny. <laughs> they're like evictions are yesterday's Rest Kardashians. The millennials chiming in here. <laughs> I got to give Kardashians it are canceled. If the if millennial says it's don't, canceled, then it's canceled. Don't get me wrong, I used to love that show, but Connie went off the deep end. <laughs> hashtag canceled. Hashtag canceled. Or like displacement is hashtag canceled. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So, <laughs> um, so maybe we could talk a little, this is our first one we sure. talked about maybe just why do we do, why are we here? Mm-hmm. Why do we work at Tenants Together? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. why do we do this work? Um, mm-hmm. And maybe Eduardo, if you want to start. Why am I working at Tenants Together? Why do you, why, why, why do you work here? That's a loaded question. Why are you in the renter's rights movement? Yeah. Um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, myself, I my family became um, displaced very um, quickly because they lost their home. We lost our home in 2008 during the foreclosure cr- uh, crisis. And, you know, I hardly ever talk about this, but I'll talk about it publicly now. I, it's important for people to understand, like, some of us are affected by this, right? We're not just doing this work. We're actually renters. Um, so, yeah, you know, we quickly became renters after the, uh, we lost our home and um, we were in a, in, in a situation where we had to leave in under 30 days hmm. and find a home. And we've been renters since, you know, and, and it's been a challenging, you know, trying to get back, um, trying to own property. But at the same time, like um, having this opportunity to work with an organization that is fighting for tenants rights. I mean, that was kind of like, um, you know, it, it was kind of like meant to be. It was a, it was a marriage <laughs> that was meant to happen. And plus the situation I was in, you know, in, in my past career wasn't the best. And it just all worked out. And by the way, I worked in radio. So this is why I came up with the idea of doing this. I was like, uh, you know, I, I, there's that bug that still itches. Right. Um, but like it's it's definitely important to to, you know, have the conversation and, and be in that situation where, like, you know, it's 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 housing affects everyone, everyone. So. It's important work to do because it affects every single one of us. And it doesn't matter, like, you know, what your background is. Like, we're all affected by it. You know, it's not very easy to buy properties nowadays. Um, so I just love the work that I do. And I love working with this organization. I'm working with Shanti and working with Lupe. And we got a podcast now. Hey. 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 <laughs> all right. Who's next? That's you. Okay. I'll Get close to the mic, please. Yeah. Don't be afraid of the mic. Okay. I'll be there closer to the mic. Is that better? That's okay. a lot better. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. I'm Shanti again. Why did I get into this work? Um, so I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I grew up in a sort of urban core community that was gentrifying pretty rapidly and has experienced a lot of displacement, demolition of public housing, you know, school segregation, all of that stuff. So, um, you know, I know what it's like to grow up in a community of color that's rapidly changing. Um, And, you know, beyond that, I actually, you know, came here uh, into San Francisco uh, with a tech job, believe it or not. Um, And that job didn't work out. And in the meantime, I just decided, you know, I've always been pretty politically engaged person. So I went to go work for a board of supervisors campaign in my neighborhood, which is um, mostly renters. I think we are the renter heaviest neighborhood in San Mm. Francisco, actually. Um, So it's like a dense, uh, mostly renter neighborhood. Um, 
Which neighborhood is that, by the way? It is. So District 3 is like a lot of high and low income stuff put to like neighborhoods put together. So it's like Mm -hmm. Knob Hill and Russian Hill, which are very bougie. Um, (laughs) But also like, you know, parts of the Tenderloin, Chinatown, um, and then like places like North Beach, et cetera. So it's this corner of San Francisco that is like right by sort of north of downtown. And it's this, it includes parts of downtown. So it's Mm. this very mix of like very high and very low income people, mm. but a lot of runners. Right. Um, and you know, I went around, um, knocking on doors, like knocked on thousands of doors and met thousands of renters who are my mm. neighbors, you know, mm. and this, this is my community. Right. Um, and just like the horror and the insecurity that all of us were feeling that I myself feel as a runner, mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. I feel for my neighbors, especially like my neighbors in my building who are seniors and people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and just seeing how much, you know, everyone, every single person I met had felt like they had a sword dangling over their head. Yeah. Unless they were like some sort of millionaire, in which case they wouldn't be renting. They were living in some mansion and they sent their butler to chase me away. Um, so, no, that really happened. Like, that's like not someone a joke. actually sent, you, sent a butler after you? Yes, yes. They <laughs> can't even do it themselves. They no. can't even do it themselves, yeah. You know? Wait a minute. That, really? A butler? Russian Hill's weird, man. If any of you I listening are San Franciscans, um, you should have been like, get off avoid. your ass and chase me yourself. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know? I should have. Oh well, it's just, That's too just send the butler after me. Anyway, <laughs> you're owed that. You deserve at least that much. I do. Yeah. To have the actual owner just chase, chase me yourself, away. you coward. Exactly. That is too funny. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, stuff. I've got plenty of stories like that. Um, mm. But, but yeah, so that was a really eye-opening experience for me, and I've basically been involved in, like, land use and tenants' rights work in San Francisco ever since. Um, but, you know, I joined tenants together to do it full-time because, like, really couldn't deal with being in tech anymore mm. and then just doing a lot of work on the side um, that was Bay Area-specific. So mm. and I wanted to have the opportunity to work with statewide organizing movements and, um, yeah, in California. And um, it's definitely something that I prioritize outside of work, even, you know, when I worked in tech, but even mm-hmm. when I work here, mm-hmm. um, uh, when the day's over, I'm usually going and like organizing with like mm. on on renters' rights or mm. land use issues with like housing complexes or you right. know um, or grassroots uh, groups and communities of color, black and brown communities in San Francisco. So um, that's really the only thing I know how to do. Um, or besides piece of. Besides piss people off on Twitter. Besides piss people off on Twitter. Also about housing. So, yeah, that's it. That's housing, housing, housing. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, My Twitter (laughs) handle is Ashanti, but it's U-H... Shanti, so U-H-S-H-A-N-T-I. That happened because um, I would be at Starbucks... And uh, when they ask you to put your name on the cup, like to put your name on the cup of coffee, they would ask mm. me, what's my name? And I would be distracted and I would say, uh, Shanti. And so <laughs> like, uh, Shanti. And so they would always spell it like, you know, Ja Rule and Ashanti. So that's why I went with that. That's too funny. I was looking at my phone all the time. It was just, you know, <laughs> classic millennial problem. People should... Definitely follow Shanti because she's yes. pissed off a lot of people. She's got an award. And has actually received like regional and national recognition <laughs> for pissing off people on Twitter. So I highly recommend it. <laughs> I, I secretly suspect that's why I got hired for this job. <laughs> that's too funny. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I got a national award. But. I, well, you were definitely in, like, you got an award from the I think a Bay Area paper. Yes, SF Weekly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's definitely that's, not worthy. Yeah, it is not worthy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's extra funny because the, like, California, like, the real estate lobby Twitter accounts are really pathetic. They have no yeah. online game at all. Yeah, I mean, I could imagine. Sometimes they just tweet out Shakespeare. And it's really funny. <laughs> Um, anyway, we'll get into that at a later date. God, not even like Oscar Wilde. Jeez, yeah, like, Shakespeare's fine. They just don't. You, they just like it's weird when you're like quoting like some deep stuff from like right. Hamlet or King Lear, like at like to talk about how like you should be able to evict people all the time. Like I don't think that's, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. That's that's weird. Yeah, wow. they're 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 posting game is not good. <laughs> not good. Anyway, mm, oh. Lupe, why did why are you doing this? <laughs> so. I actually started, uh, so I, you know, I'm from a working class family, um, you know, um, Mexican immigrants. 
we so when we moved to this country, we when we moved back here, um, we moved a lot. But when we moved back here, we lived in a very very. Um, we lived in a building that was pretty much a slumlord. Yeah. Um, you know, we basically, we lived, you know, with a couple mm. of families in an apartment because mm. it was what we could afford. And, you know, they didn't do repairs. There was mm. mice, there was cockroaches, you know. And, you know, I saw how hard my parents worked mm. to pay rent. Um, and, you know, with five, with six kids. And, you know, yet, you know, we weren't able to get improvements that, you know, would have made our quality of life so much better. Um, So, you know, that was a really, that was a very, very impactful kind of experience. And then as I got older, I've always been a renter since I, since I, you know, was a kid. Um, I've always rented. I've always, you know, I've actually had great landlords, to be honest. Mm. Um, You know, but it's not the nice ones that unfortunately Mm -hmm. I have, you know, uh, excuse me, sorry. So, yeah, so, so, you know, I've had great landlords um, here in the Bay Area, um, but, you know, I know that that's the same thing as saying, like, hey, I met a nice, you know, I met a nice, you know, I don't know, um, I met a nice cop or whatever. I was going to say that. I mean, (laughs) I was right about to say that. It's like, yes, you can, it's not to say their whole profession is awful, there are really good people you know, or a nice clown. I don't know. Um, You know, yeah, but it's like, you know, there's really good people in that profession, but there are also people who are really flouting the laws. Yeah. You know, and those are the people that are having clear impacts on people's lives that are long-lasting impacts on people's lives. And so I actually started a month out of college. Um, I, my, my friend Maria Poblet, um, she, you know, asked me to apply for this job at an organization called St. Peter's Housing Committee at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and it was doing a lead hazard um, awareness as well as advocacy. And it included working with, you know, tenants here in the mission, mostly Spanish-speaking tenants here in the mission, um, in this very same office, weird enough. like this, The same office where tenants together is at? Yeah. Wow. So I am now back in the same office where I was when I was 21. Wow. It's pretty sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm a director now, yeah. but that's not the point. The point is that I'm in the same corner. <laughs> just kidding. It's actually a much better office now in terms yeah. of structurally. But right. um, so, yeah. So I started there as a tenant organizer as well, and I immediately saw... You know, again, kind of repeating what I saw with my family. I saw people who were working extremely hard Mm. to provide for the families, to pay their rent on time, to be good tenants Mm. and be good members of society and be productive members of society. And at the same time, were being treated, you know, less than really by their by the landlords or by the whoever owned their building Mm -hmm. and really saw them as disposable. You know, mm. saw them as a disposable person that they mm. could just evict or raise their rent whenever they wanted, mm. instead of seeing them as the whole person who had a family, who has a job, mm. who has a, a community that they've built, who, you know, have created a life for themselves. Mm. And so for me, it, it was definitely, um, you know, I, when I started seeing that, I started seeing more and more that this wasn't an isolated incident, that there was actually really a system that really upholds that, that mm. upholds you know, um, you know, really property owners and landlords, we're talking about landlords, not some who just yeah. owns like one house, but like sure. definitely like landlords, you know, seeing, you know, people as disposable for the sake of their profit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's not right in any world. Mm-hmm. I don't care mm-hmm. who you are. And so, um, yeah, so I started seeing that a lot more. And then I saw definitely how the city contributed to that by not increasing protections or by not having you know, uh, good, you know, or having good land use, Mm -hmm. um, a good, you know, plans and laws that were informed by the community that was being impacted. Um, And how, you know, many of the times, like if you were being evicted, you didn't get a lawyer, you know, you didn't have, you had to like look for someone to give you legal advice. Whereas, you know, a landlord would have a $400 an hour attorney at the ready. And so I definitely started seeing like the structural disadvantages that, renters um, in general have, especially if you're a working class renter uh, with a family or you're mm-hmm. um, on a fixed income or you're senior, you know, you, you have, there's a lot of structural inequalities already when mm-hmm. being in those vulnerable populations, but then that conflated with, um, 
living in a place where, like Shanti said, you always have like a sword hanging over your head as yeah. to whether you're going to be able to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just it's it's something that's very very you know that that's just very traumatizing, yeah, and that is and that is really really, and I think you know it, it has these long term impacts that I don't know if the real estate industry mm-hmm. understands and or really cares about mm-hmm. and so um so because of that i you know for me that's been pretty much my my work since i was 21 um even in the time that i was i took a, a break if you will um when i went to go work as a civil servant still serving the people but a different capacity mm-hmm. and i was there for 10 years but i was still on the board of tenants together because i was for me that was like this is my life's work and right. i'm just doing it a different way right. and Six months ago, I got hired as the executive director, um, which was really cool. Um, and so I left my nice, stable, somewhat boring civil service job <laughs> um, and am now like here where it is not boring. It right. is definitely not always stable and, and it's definitely a lot harder, but it's it makes it, you know, it's, so for me, it's, this is something that's very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it's also something just seeing the impacts this has had on people um, over the years. Also the, the impacts that evictions have had, but also the impact that having somebody on their side has had yeah. it really has made me feel like, you know, this is, this is why we do this. Right. Right. Well, thank you for that. And actually that leads us into our, to the, our segue of our hotline, right? Hotline. Hey guys, did you guys know that Tennis Together has a hotline, a statewide hotline that anywhere, anytime you want to call, you could call us. Uh, we may not answer right away because we do have volunteers who come in, but we, how many volunteers do we have, Lupe? We have about 50 volunteers. 50 volunteers. That um, help us to answer calls on the hotline. So you mm-hmm. call, you leave a message. And, you know, we log it in and then one of our volunteers will give you a call back. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have 50 volunteers, all of who have been trained on how to give you information about your rights as a tenant at the state right. in California. We do not give legal advice. Mm. We are not attorneys. Right. We do not play one on TV. So <laughs> please do not ask us. Um, I'll give us your legal assessment, right. but we will give you information about your rights as a tenant, mm-hmm. and we will be able to direct you to any local resources right. that could that, that could help you. Yeah. And while we really love and appreciate donations and like thank yous, mm-hmm. we all it's it's free. It is free. You know, it's regardless of income, regardless of immigration status, you know, regardless of, you know, anything. Like, you know, we will give you the information that yeah. you need. And you could call any part of the state. So you could be in Eureka. You could be mm-hmm. in Calexico, California, right? Yep. And our number is one 495 one If you're a renter listening to this podcast, please give us a call if you're having any issues. We're here to help. So you can also visit our uh, website, www.tennistogether.org. Um Go well, wait, how many, how many, does anyone know how many tenants we've counseled so far on our hotline? Oh, that's we, a good question. How many? 20,000 20, in about 10 years. Wow. Actually, more than that now, but. Wow. Yeah, that was the last time we counted. Which was a couple of years ago. At least oh, 20,000. Yeah. So I would say between 20 and 25,000. I was about to say probably close to 25, especially yeah. since all the stuff that's been happening the last couple of years. Yeah. 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 Wow. And we just keep growing too. So yeah, give us a call if you're renter and you listen to this podcast uh we're here to help and, and if you're in california please give us a call um now let's talk about some statewide things that's happening like let's get some updates what's going on okay so there's a lot uh, going on right <clears throat> now. there is a lot going on um you know yeah i mean it's one of the great things about having a more active and sorry it's one of the great things about having a more like mobilized and also more active and having a movement, really, and having rent- renters and tenants feel like they have, like I said, political and economic power, mm-hmm. is, that the, that, is that basically, you know, politicians are having to pay more attention um, and are having to answer to tenants, right. which is awesome. Right. Um, so one of the ways that this is happening is at the state level, um, we have um, SB 329, which is sponsored by um, Senator Holly Mitchell. Um who is amazing. And so basically what it's doing, it's, um, it's been, the, the goal of SB 329 is to end Section 8 discrimination. And that's a big thing. I mean, you see it in the newspaper. Like, I mean, I, who picks up a newspaper anymore? But I'm saying, like, you see it in the ad. Mm-hmm. I, no, I will take it back to newspapers because I remember back in the day when I pick up a 
the newspaper, one of the first things I would see was like no Section Eight, mm-hmm. no Section Eight, mm-hmm. and you still do that. You I mean, we go yeah. on Craigslist, Craigslist now and whatever else, no Section Eight, no Section Eight. And so, what is Section Eight, right? So, yeah. can you for, explain that? Yeah, sure. Ahead. So, for anybody who doesn't know who's, what Section Eight is. Um, Section 8 is a voucher program that's through HUD, through the Housing and Urban Development at the federal level, that helps you pay for part of your rent. Um, so it doesn't matter really what area of the country you live in, um, you know, it'll help you pay part of your rent based on your income. Um, and so that's really one of the main ways that many people are really able to pay these really high rents that you're seeing around California and are able to live near where they work or near where their children go to school is that they're able to, you know, they're able to get that kind of assistance from the federal government. And mind you, this program, I mean, it's so, so overburdened and that there's so many people, not overburdened, actually, that's not the right word, sorry. This program, Section 8, Mm -hmm. is one, being defunded by the federal government, but two, you know, more more people get on the list than are taken off of it. So then what you see is that a lot of people around the state, you know, the, the, the Section 8 list in their county will be closed. Mm-hmm. So getting that voucher, like finally getting off that list after 10 years of waiting, for example, and get, finally getting that voucher and being able to use that to rent, you know, a, a good quality place for you and your family and then not be able to find one that yeah. will accept it right. is is really horrible. And it especially because they only have 180 days to find a place or yeah. else the voucher expires. So it's like a limited time offer, you yeah. know. And so, um, you know, basically, so this bill, SB 329, which already passed the Senate and is in the Assembly right now, in the California Assembly, um, would basically make it illegal for landlords to refuse someone based on having a Section 8 voucher mm-hmm. or to deny just, or saying no Section 8. And actually, there's about 11 states in the country that already have rules prohibiting Section 8 discrimination. Do you know which states those are? Um, I believe. Don't. I don't. I think one of them is New York. I think New York. Yeah, definitely New York. has all the good New York has all the good laws. They have all the good laws. laws. (laughs) So, um, yeah, but definitely New York. Um, I I would have to look to rattle the rest, but I know that they exist. Is it this? Oh, yeah. This isn't like something that's just like, oh my God, like this is a radical idea. No, this is not a radical idea. This is actually something that many, you know, at least 10 states around the Mm -hmm. country have already enacted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, at this, you know, what happened, you know, this is a longer conversation about Section 8, but for example, here in San Francisco, what you saw, what you've seen is that Mm. a lot of um, people, especially when the markets are down, right, landlords will be like, you know, a lot of property owners and landlords and management companies will be like, yes, please, Section 8, somebody would Section 8 rent from us because they know that the Section 8 program will pay top dollar, right? right? They'll pay like the highest amount possible to be sure that somebody has that place and mm-hmm. and the tenant's only paying part of that rent. In this, in um, Section 8 is paying most of it. And so then, you know, people are able... So so during these times of low economic activity or during there's a, the housing crisis in terms of um, during the foreclosure crisis, yeah. a lot of landlords, you know, were like excited about Section 8 tenants because yeah. they were able to pay top dollar, sure. right? Um, so then when the prices started going up, to the unaffordable levels that we have now, mm-hmm. then you have property owners and landlords that are saying, oh, you know what? Actually, I kind of I could get somebody younger, yeah. you know, richer to come live mm-hmm. in here. Mm-hmm. It's time for you to go, yeah. you know, and it's, you know, and I feel that to me, again, we're going back to the issue of like people are not disposable, yeah, you know, right. to the, the fact that this person has invested, you know, so many years and has invested not just their own money, but the government's invested their money into this and, mm-hmm. you know, has made this place their home and has made, helped you make money as a landlord. And then right. to all of a sudden say, you know what, actually, I could get somebody richer in here. And so I'd rather just cancel my Section 8 contract. Yeah. You know, to me, I feel like that's generally something that's unacceptable. And yeah. and to even, but even more unacceptable is somebody just refusing somebody to have Section yeah, 8. Yeah, I mean, because there's also, some, it sounds like there's also like some, like racial, you know, undertones in it. Oh, of course. I mean, one of the things that I thought was, one of the things that was really interesting was last year when, and this is not even really, it wasn't meant to be Section 8 related, but like, it wasn't Section 8 related when Long Beach 
uh, housing groups were con- considering doing a uh, rent control measure, mm-hmm. right, when they were gathering signatures, landlords went around and said, um, like, passing out these ridiculously racist uh, flyers saying, like, stop rent control, stop the, uh, they called rent control an anti-black communist agenda. Mm. And they were basically trying to tar- target um uh, black renters in Long Beach mm-hmm. um, by telling them that if you support rent control, mm-hmm. a rent control ordinance in Long Beach, um, right. it will take away your Section 8. What? And they specifically targeted the flyer. That was not like Alabama in 1959. Sure. That was 2018 in Long Beach, California. You know, they threatened to take away, they said, well, we won't accept your Section 8. Like, if there's rent control, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's anti-black and communist, which I thought was really... That's so um, weird. But, you know, they were handing out these flyers, like, trying to basically intimidate, like, you know, Long Beach having a, a like, very large black community mm-hmm. that's threatened by displacement. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's not, it, it absolutely is, has a racial angle, always has had a racial angle, yeah. particularly because, you know, the income distribution and mm-hmm. wage distribution in mm-hmm. America, everywhere for uh, black and brown folks is that's very it. different, mm-hmm. um, to say the least. Um, as it is for white folks. So obviously like groups that just like renters are predominantly, you know, seniors, people of color, single mothers, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the same thing with section eight recipients. Mm -hmm. And it definitely, I mean, it's supposed to help address also like economic segregation and that, you know, so that people could rent, you know, anywhere that they want with this voucher, you know? And so, you know, by basically saying I do not want somebody with Section 8 in my building, it's basically saying yeah. I don't want somebody that's poor. I yeah. don't want somebody that doesn't earn this much specifically, right. even though they have the money to pay for it. Right. Because with the voucher and their it's own paid. income, they have the money. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, fine, you're fine with taking money from like a trust or whatever, or like a trust fund person yeah. or taking money from somebody that pays it through their employer, mm-hmm. but you're not okay with taking money from the government, yeah. you know, for yeah. somebody that actually needs the housing and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's definitely, there's definitely not just like the racial, uh, like a racist, it's definitely sure. connotation, but there's also the economic right. segregation angle mm-hmm. too. So, yeah. um, and so, yeah, so right now it's, um, SB 329 is asleep at yeah. the Appropriations Committee for the uh, Senate. No, yeah. sorry, for the Assembly. My, my bad. Um, so meaning that it's it's called, um, it's in suspense, meaning that it's being kind of like, it's kind of biding its time before it can actually go before the Appropriations Committee. Yeah. So our goal right now is to support this bill um, getting out of the Appropriations Committee intact, mm-hmm. right, as it is, so they don't Frankenstein it. Mm-hmm. And then also <laughs> it going to the set, then going to the full assembly so mm-hmm. that it then gets voted at the assembly and will hopefully pass. So we're asking everybody to please, please, please contact your assembly member and ask them to please support SB 329 when it comes across their uh, when it comes across their office, um, when it comes up for a vote, um, you know, it, it takes two minutes. Um, if you go to our website, we have our Facebook, mm. we and or even our Instagram, which we now have yeah. or Twitter. Yeah. Or Twitter. We have a petition that people yes. can sign very easily. They can send a message to their assembly person. So thank you, Shanti, for that. Thank you, Shanti. That was very helpful. Killing it. And, um, yeah, so that way people, and it's very easy to do. It takes two minutes. Um, you put in your address. You find your, it gives you your assembly person. Mm-hmm. You send them an email. Mm-hmm. And that that right there will let them know that you, as a community member, one of their constituents that can vote them in or vote right. them out, right. will support, um, you know, the, uh, getting rid of Section 8 discrimination. It's, we need it really bad. I mm-hmm. mean, like I said, it's so blatant. You see it everywhere. Like, no Section 8. Huge, bold, like, you know, caps. Don't put asterisks around it on yes. No Section caps. Big caps. No Section 8. And, yeah, and uh, I think one thing that I read recently was that um, in Los Angeles, so, you know, the Section 8 vouchers have, like, a limited period of time that you have to use them or they expire, mm-hmm. right? And then you have to go through the process of requalifying. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2017, the L.A. Times found <clears throat> that for that year, like, over half of Section 8 recipients could not find um, a landlord or could not find housing by the time those vouchers expired. And it's half. 180 days, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. not a lot. That means it's, yeah, exactly. But like still, like, it's like 
half of the Section 8 recipients Jeez. in greater Los Angeles couldn't find housing because the landlords wouldn't take their vouchers. So uh, it's it's definitely a, a crisis, um, and it's ridiculous that we haven't passed <coughs> Section 8 protections yet that are statewide, um, and that this has been attempted before, mm-hmm. um, but it failed last time, mm-hmm. so it's really, really important that we pass it this yeah, it's time. getting close. Yes. I mean, it's really close. Yeah, so we have until... So basically, the bill needs to hit the assembly and mm-hmm. pass mm-hmm. by September September 13th, or else Ooh. it's dead. That's less than a month. That's less than a month. So we need so, people to get on the horn, Yep. start reaching out to your assembly members, everything. Yep. And they can find that information on our website. On our website, yep. um, on our Facebook, on our Instagram, on our Twitter. Everything. It's, um, and like we said, it's really important. It's also really important because many times we see... California, well, politicians in general at the state and local level just not show up, just yeah. like vote, just not vote yes, not vote no, just not vote. And so Shout on out these. to Steve Glazer. Mm-hmm. Boo. Boo him. Boo you. And, um, you know, just decide to, you know, not vote on these things because, you know, at the end of the day, they get a lot of money from the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. And so we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> but. You know, and so it's really important that you tell your assembly person you have to vote yes on this Mm -hmm. because they know somebody's watching and they know they can't just call it in and they can't just skip the vote. You know, we cannot let them be skipping these votes anymore. Um, And then if I can just share. So I remember one of the things that I first when I one of the first times I ever really encountered Section 8 discrimination as a tenant organizer, at least. Um, was back in the early 2000s when um, there was a family, she was a mother with four kids, living in a single-room occupancy hotel, So, which is a one-room place with a shared bathroom for the whole floor. And that's very common in San Francisco. It's very common in San Francisco. We have hundreds of families living in single-room occupancy Mm -hmm. hotels Mm -hmm. that were meant to be for single people. Right. Um, And she was a mom with four kids, you know, sharing, um, like I said, sharing a floor in a, a... bathroom with you know grown people um and so um and so she finally got section eight and she was so happy and she wasn't not able to find a place in 180 days jeez so she had to continue living in the single room occupancy hotel until she was able to get a unit through public housing which took longer but um that, that to me was like great that's wonderful you finally have the certificate after years mm. of waiting and now you know, and then she was like i couldn't find a place that like would accept it you know and so it's just you know in terms of like improving people's quality of life section 8 will do that immediately yeah. for people and it also sounds like a broken system though it's like you got to wait for years but then when you get it you only get like 180 days yep yeah which yeah. is ridiculous that's set up for failure Means yep. testing is broken <laughs> by nature. It is. But anyway. Yeah. It is. Well, um, thank you so much for the SB329 update because we definitely need a lot of support for that. And we're getting close to getting it passed. So if it, hap- if it happens, man, like, yeah, knock on some wood, some particle board. I don't know. That's what this is. Yeah, working. some particle board behind yeah. me. Yeah. Knocking on that. Chairs and everything. <laughs> um, let's talk about some local stuff. Um, There's a lot of stuff happening locally. So I know yeah. here in the Bay Area there is, and, and <clears throat> SoCal too, right? Do we want to maybe just talk about some SoCal stuff too? Yeah, like, we, we have to. We have to talk about Long. all the things. Um, well, I guess we were just just talking about Long Beach, but yeah. um, so first off, uh, Long Beach passed a rental relocation Woo-hoo. ordinance. Um, does anyone want to go into that? Well, <laughs> or I can. Um, well, yeah, basically. Um, so. So rent relocation ordinances, um, they're good. Um, they're certainly better than nothing. Um, but yeah, basically the idea is that let's say your landlord is evicting you to do some sort of renovations, which can get kind of sketchy what kind of renovations they're going to do, whether they really need to evict you for renovations or mm-hmm. whether they're evicting you for some other reason, mm-hmm. um, right? And so uh, that that the, the whole like, concept of rent eviction that's yeah. that's a term that we use a lot as organizers um, is the whole like, you know, using renovation as a pretense for eviction. Um, but anyway, uh, Long Beach basically passed an ordinance that requires uh, some level of payout. And I don't have the specific number off the top mm-hmm. of my head, but it requires a payout if your landlord is evicting you. Wow. Um, so for renovation, for renovation, for, for renovation purposes. Yeah. Right. Um, 
So if they're signing a renovation, they need to pay out a certain amount of money to you as a renter. Um, unfortunately, one thing that we see, and I think this is something that we'll probably end up talking about in some form in every edition of this podcast, is that when you know when we do win tenant protections, a lot of times what you see is that um, landlords will attempt to basically use the period before those protections take place Mm -hmm. um, to try to just kick people out. And unfortunately, um, because the Long Beach um, government, city council and folks decided to delay the implementation of that ordinance Mm -hmm. slightly, Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's finally kicked in, I believe. But what we've seen um, is in the days and weeks leading up to the ordinance kicking in, Mm -hmm. folks being evicted um, or a spike in evictions um, of buildings um, so that they don't have to pay out that relocation Mm -hmm. assistance. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's why it's so important that whenever a city passes, you know, rent control or just cause, that they make it clear that it's retroactive. Yeah. You right. know, you have to have make it retroactive. Otherwise, you're just giving, you're giving notice, basically, for property owners or for landlords um, to increase the rents or to evict people before they actually have to be accountable. Right. And, you know, and and it has a very destabilizing effect. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that, um, you know, one of the things we, we do when we work with local cities to help them enact these laws is that, you know, they have to, they need to make it retroactive. Right. You know, I mean, that's that's only fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's only fair. Um, and then, you know, talk. So, you know, moving up here um, to El Cerrito, you know, El, El Cerrito is yeah. to me is like one of those dream struggles. And that at mm. first, you know, they people in El Cerrito, which is a small city yeah. in um, in Alameda County, kind of near Richmond. Um, they you know, the people were the ones that mobilized. It's actually in Contra Costa County. It is. Yeah. Oh, it's still in Alameda. No, it's not Contra Costa. It's kind Costa. of a gray area there. Yeah, yeah it's right. Oh, yeah. yeah, right next door, it's, it's Alameda. Okay. Yeah. So Contra Costa County. Yes. Um, and, you know, so, you know, basically they, people there worked hard to push the city council to yeah. pass um, Just Cause, I believe. Yeah. Right? Was, just Cause and a rental registry. And a rental registry, right. And what Just Cause is basically protections for, so that you, it's protections against evictions. Mm. And so they worked really hard to people, you know, to pass this at the city council level. And immediately the apartment association, as well as other real estate groups, immediately filed a lawsuit to to get an injunction to stop, um, to basically overturn it. After they collected a lot of shady signatures. After collecting a lot of shady signatures, after telling people it's for this, it's for Mm -hmm. that, but never telling them it's to undo just cause. Yeah. You know, um, and they... Basically, it did the same thing it did in Richmond. Yeah. California Apartment Association lied to the signature gatherers there, too. Yeah. Well, the signature gatherers lied to voters there mm-hmm. and reversed it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and yeah. Pacifica. And Pacifica. It, and Santa Rosa. And Santa Rosa. This and actually... Mountain View. <laughs> <laughs> it goes yeah. on and on because that's what they do. This yeah. is a preview of all the stories you'll hear on subsequent episodes of the podcast. Yeah. 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 It's um, So basically, you know, so then now what you have is that then people are then, you know, instead of saying, well, that's it, mm-hmm. people are gathering to take it to the ballot. Yeah. It's a say, you know what, fine, you have the lawyer power to right. create an injunction so that they don't impl- implement it, well, we have the people power to take this to the ballot yep. and to get people to, to because people want it, yep. right? Well, same thing that happened in Richmond. In yep. Richmond, ultimately, people ended up voting for rent control, yep. and now they have rent control yep. in Richmond. I think it won 56% or mm-hmm. something. It was, it was high. It, it was, was a, you know, and so, you know, definitely it's not the end, but it's a right. huge roadblock that... Yeah. Is placed by the very well healed, you know, apart, you know, real estate industry yeah. who doesn't want these kind of accountability measures. No, and you know, shout out to El Cerrito Progressives for for you know trying to get that passed, and now they're you know trying to reorganize themselves and and do for something bigger. Uh, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know, California Apartment Association not only has done that, and you know, the cities we just mentioned, but then you know they're also trying to just stop other uh, movements that are happening, like in Concord. Where they um, they show up and just pretty much just you know fear monger, you know they they do what they do they lie to the public lie to the city council and and, and they just keep getting in the way of tenants getting their protections. So mm-hmm. we should we should wait. Which one are we on now? I would just in general we're just talking about. Yeah, I know. Stuff. I was gonna say we still got some updates to get through. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And then um, we you know, so we tra- that was Long Beach. 
With Long Beach and then El Cerrito. Yeah, El Cerrito. El Cerrito. Um, and we have Sacramento. Sacramento. Which has been a weird one in a, in a very interesting way. Because, um, and do you want to talk about it? Um, no, no okay, I, I, will, I can talk about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to like recover from the shock of, of being at a meeting where, uh, yeah, it was just the city council meeting was just really weird on, on Tuesday. I Aren't they sh- always weird? I can, I can do it, too. Yeah, no, go Shanti, it. go for it, please. All Let's right. Let's give a quick update, and I'll, I'll try to fill in the blanks, because, yeah. Sacramento. Let's hear um, it. Part of the time-honored tradition of, um, you know, grassroots groups, tenant unions, um, folks get the unions, folks get together um, and try to pass a ballot measure or push for some sort of ballot measure mm-hmm. um, on rent control, just cause, or renter protections. And so that's that's step one. And then step two, which always happens, is that, you know, the city council feeling a little bit of the pressure, but also, you know, being a little more beholden to real estate and not wanting to go, uh, you know, not wanting to pass meaningful renter protections will usually try to step in and circumvent that by passing something weaker. Mm. Um, this is a story we see all the time here um, yep. at TT. That's yep. if you're a tenant organizer in California listening to this, this is a story of your life. Mm. Um, and um, <laughs> this, it's is true. this is your life. <laughs> um, and that's exactly what happened in Sacramento. Yeah. So, um, you know, Sacramento, a bunch of like Sacramento groups did the enormously challenging work of gathering mm-hmm. 50,000 valid signatures yeah. for rent control in a city of 400,000 something. So like, you know, that's one in eight Sacramento residents, yeah. let alone registered voters. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they pulled off that enormous feat um, and to get rent control and just cause on the ballot for Sacramento for 2020. And this would be huge. This would be probably the biggest California city to pass rent control or just cause in like decades, right? Yeah, since the 70s. Since right. the 70s, right. Yeah, Sacramento is a big city. It's a big deal. Um, so essentially, yeah, the, the rent control got on just cause on the ballot for 2020. So naturally, what did the Sacramento city government, the mayor's office, and the city council decide to do? Uh, they don't want that ordinance, those ordinances to pass, so they decided let's vote on and pass a weaker one, right? Mm. Um, and that's exactly what they did this past week. Was it this past week? Yeah, it was yeah, on it was. Tuesday. Yep. Tuesday. It was on Tuesday. That's, that's exactly what they did on Tuesday. Um, they passed a much weaker T ordinance that allows for basically up to 10% rent increases year over year. Yeah. So your landlord could, could still, under this ordinance, increase your rent by 10% every single year. Yep. Right? Um, so And anything below that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really, and you know, they're kind of saying like, yes, we passed a... We passed a, a, a rent control ordinance, which, I mean, yeah. at that point, it's not really rent control or no. rent stabilization. Um, just capping anything, like, over 10% increase is chump change. And it's got a five-year sunset, too. So, I mean, it's in five years. It's done. Yes. So, you, you're basically giving, like, the landlords a green light to say, raise your, your tenants' rents 10% per year. I mean, that's 50% in five years. I mean, come on. And then you can go back to raising it to whatever you want. Yeah, in five years. It's not even 50% if you think about it as compounding. It's worse. Right. Right? It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's messed up. It's compounding. It's 10% of whatever the previous thing was. So if anyone knows how compound interest works, that's just compound (laughs) rent. Um, It's a compound rent increase. Yeah, it is. That so uh, so yeah so they're they're you know trying to pass this off obviously as some yeah. sort of like you know we're passing meaningful tenant protections right. which they're not it's right. a classic California city council shuffle mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, and yeah so that 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 happened um, but there's a lot of advocates who are still like the Sacramento yes. Tenants Union and mm-hmm. us who are still trying to move in Sacramento DSA SEIU SEIU no, that's yeah, you ten twenty one. Ten twenty one. Ten twenty one. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Uh, sorry, ten twenty one. Yeah, <laughs> he's listening to this. Um, Ace. Ooh. Yeah, Ace Alliance uh, of it. Californians yes. for Community Empowerment. We're all getting together and saying we still need to pass this ballot mm-hmm. measure, um, and there are potentially going to be efforts to uh, take the ballot measure away. Yeah. Um, that's mm-hmm. a whole nother thing, mm-hmm. but we're still moving ahead with this for November 2020, which is obviously going to be a big election day for a mm-hmm. lot of people um, mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, just beware, beware, city councils, um, you know, 
pretending to pass renter protections, which they only did because this got on the ballot in the first place. Right? Yeah, they wouldn't yeah. have done anything Mm-mm. if we hadn't gotten this measure uh, mm. on the on the ballot for 2020. But you know, their job is pretty much once you know anything that could really meaningfully protect tenants right. is proposed or in danger of making it to the ballot, their job is to water that down whenever possible. Oh, yeah. That is the classic California City Council move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those of you who are thinking about getting into doing this work, um, <laughs> just so you know, that's one of their that's one of their tried and true tactics. Yep. Um, that's so, true. So that's what's going on in Sacramento. We're still pushing ahead. Um, if you're yes, listening to this and you're in Sacramento, um, you know, keep following us. Keep following the Sacramento Tenants Union. Yep. Um, follow them on Twitter. And follow them on Twitter. Facebook. Yeah, and Facebook and stuff to see how you can get involved in this push. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Did I miss anything? No, nah, man. That, oh, was that was dope. Awesome. That was really dope. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, the, the, yeah. the ordinance isn't dope. No, it sucks. sucks. And then this, it, it you know, what's even worse, <laughs> so and, and again, going back to why we're doing this podcast, because like every headline I've seen says Sacramento has rent control. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's such BS. And then yeah. it really makes me angry because like, People don't understand, like, all the backroom stuff that happened to get there and and left out the tenant groups in the process. And it's like, yo, this isn't what we wanted. Well, okay. It's also, it's for five years. It's just saying your your landlord can increase your rent by 10% for five years, and then they can just go back. It's, like, back to square one. I mean, I'm going to tell, I mean, I'm going to say to, not just Sacramento, but any city council that chooses to pass something weaker, Mm. the same thing I've told friends throughout the years who choose people that are not great for them, right. which is like, increase your freaking standards. Yeah. Like seriously, yeah. like, come on, like you can do so much better. Right. You know, right. like right. you can have something meaningful. Mm-hmm. You can have something that's going to like change people's lives. You're going right. to, you can have something that is really going to like increase the quality of life of your constituents. Right. And like aim higher, like don't yeah. pass these, you know, don't settle, Yeah. you know, like don't mm-hmm. settle for these, you know, kind of, you know, half wishy-washy ideas of rent stabilization that are ultimately going to cost people um, their housing because yeah. they're going to be priced out in a few years, yeah. in a couple of years even. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's kind of like, don't be so desperate to get that real estate money. Yeah. Like, you know, like yeah. aim higher. Yeah. It's, and then speaking of aiming higher, this, again, this is just flowing great, man. I feel like this was naturally, yeah, we're like, yeah, we're flowing into this, right? Uh, <laughs> let's, now let's talk about some of that rent mediation study, um, you know, that we're doing. We're, I was about to say boo, and I really thought, I realized I was good about to boo the study. No, I'm not uh, booing no, the, not study. the study. I'm booing the we, we, let's, rent We're mediation. booing rent mediation for sure. We know it sucks. Right, Shout should, out to Does anyone want to explain what rent mediation is? I feel like I've talked too much. No, no, no. Both of y'all are great right now. I'm just loving mm-hmm. the right. conversation. <laughs> rent mediation. Okay. Rent mediation is well, pretty straightforward. Um, right. Another, it's actually kind of dovetails with what we were just talking about in Sacramento, where, you know, when there's a real grassroots push for tenants' rights ordinances that are actually meaningful, um, you know, city councils and city governments always respond by passing some BS, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And that more often, the rent mediation Mm -hmm. is another uh, frequent one that comes up, right? So the rent mediation programs, they're always like pretty much Mm non-binding. They don't really have to result in any meaningful change for Mm -hmm. the tenant. All it says is that, you know, if the tenant, if a tenant gets an increase over X, rent increase or something over X amount, um, they have they have to go into non-binding mediation mm. with their landlord to try to work it out. <laughs> um, it's like conflict management. Yeah, it's yeah, it really is. It's, it's it is like no conflict resolution is very important skill, but unfortunately, conflict resolution between. Um, landlords and tenants, it's, you yeah. know, the landlord has all the power to increase Straight your rent up. as much as they want. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no teeth in these mediation programs. It's just like, well, you have to sit down and talk to the tenant about it before you slap them with a rent right. increase that's going to chase them out of their home. Right. Um, and again, most of the time where you see these rent mediation programs being passed is mm. in response to a stronger request. Yep. From renters in that city. Shout it's out to Concord. Le- shout out to Concord. You know, Concord, Concord renters saying, you know, campaigning for a couple of years now saying we want 
rent control. We want like just cause laws. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to be retaliated against for organizing, which is what's happened with folks mm-hmm. that we've organized with in Concord. They have been evicted for organizing, mm-hmm. um, which is a whole other thing. And so the Concord City Council responded by saying, well, we'll do a rent mediation program. Mm-hmm. And that's not just that, that that's always the standard thing. So anytime you see uh, in the news someone passing some municipality passing a rent mediation program, that usually means that people in that city were asking for something better, mm-hmm. which is uh, coming back to. So, so you know, to, to kind of dig into this further, like this is something that we've, you know, seen a lot on the ground. Mm-hmm. But what, what we don't really see is uh, you see a lot of folks touting rent mediation programs like this is good this is progress yeah, this yeah. is true renters rights mm. but what you don't see is research into the effectiveness of those programs yeah. um and so we have a lot of evidence that they're not effective at mm-hmm. all but what we're actually doing is formalizing that into a study nice mm-hmm. you want to talk about the study Lupe? sure so um so tenants together we're working on a study to interview people that have um, renters that have actually chosen to go through rent mediation, talk to them about their experiences. Um, we were talking to anybody that has, you know, um, that has been a mediator in any of these spaces mm-hmm. um, to talk to them about their experience because, you know, it's one thing to, you know, to, to say, hey, we know there's a huge power imbalance there. Mm -hmm. And so this is why these rent mediation programs don't work. But it's a whole other one to actually have people who have gone through these um, rent mediation programs and then get no resolution. Um, And, you know, to have those people be able to testify to that and for us to be able to document and to better present um, kind of the real world impacts of you know, the of like of of the weakness really yeah. of mediation programs. Mm. And so if anybody out there has gone through a rent mediation program, please, please um either go to our website, www.tenantstogether.org, um, and send us a message in the contact us um area. Um, you can also maybe leave us a message on our voicemail, which is the one eight 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 four nine five eight zero two zero, 495 8020 or email us at info at And we'd love to talk to you about your experience going through rent mediation. No, that's just so important because people need to understand, like, this isn't a real solution. Um, I happened to go to the very first rent mediation meeting in Concord. And that was a complete joke. Um, mm-hmm. Rent increase was, um, I think, about like seven hundred dollars. Yeah, it was pretty high. It was pretty high. But um, the tenant tried to settle with uh, the landlord. Um, um, the the board said, "No, this is unjust. You haven't done any improvements. The only improvements you've done in your whole building is like retarp your um, parking uh, garage structure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it. Like the oh, roof. Nice. Yeah, that's it. But other than that, he hadn't done anything. And luckily, this tenant had like years and years and years of emails between him and the landlord. Um, and just you know, for anyone listening, always we always preach, you know, document everything. This tenant did that. He documented every single conversation. So it definitely led into like some retaliation things that were happening there. But nonetheless, the rent board said you know what you're, you're what you're asking for this huge rent increase it's not justified we recommend like maybe like a 10 percent. i think it was something like that the, the, the tenant was like okay you know i could do that i could live with that that's much better than whatever it is well the guy walked away he's like nah i don't think so i'm gonna talk to my business partner but i don't think so and at the end that was it that was it because it's not binding. Yeah, I've, I've I've done some informal uh, rent mediation um, f- when I was living in Boston, mm. and I got a five hundred dollar rent increase from my landlord. Yeah. I said, "Can you not do that?" And they said, "No." <laughs> and that was basically the same thing as this. It was just a lot faster. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So just to clarify, um, mm. we're looking for tenants in the city or county of Alameda. So like, could be Alameda, Oakland, anywhere in Alameda County, mm-hmm. um, or Albany. Uh. So. Camarillo, Concord, Fremont, mm. Gardena, Marin County, anywhere in Marin County, um, cities of Palo Alto, so that's Palo Alto and East Palo Alto, yes. uh, San Leandro, uh, Santa Barbara, or Union City. So most of these are sort of Bay Area adjacent, mm-hmm. but um, there's a few like Santa Barbara and stuff like that that are further afield. But basically, these are places where they have actually... In implemented rent mediation programs. Right. So if you've ever had to do this song and dance, please, we want to talk to you. <laughs> yes. 
It oh, is a song and dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, that's that's that. Uh, how long are we? We're done, guys. Yeah. No, I meant like for the study. Oh. Oh. Well, rent media. I don't know. I mean, when... like, how long do we want to get until people? When do we want people to get back to us? By I don't know. I'm not. Um, anytime. I mean, okay, sooner as, as soon as possible. As soon as possible, because because yeah. the goal is what to release this in a couple months in the fall. Yeah, in the yeah. Fall. We want yeah, to so have want this, this study out in the fall. Um, so and, and you can remain anonymous. Sure. Like you know, we will not. You know, we're not going to put you on blast mm-hmm. as a person. We just want to put what happened to you on blast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah we want without, to without your name or any identifying details on it, we'll cover your voice up or something. You know, yeah, oh yeah. Well, I don't. Do we have that kind of like production capability? Actually, I can if I edit. This is yeah. We could do something like that. Oh my god! Can you make me sound like Cardi B? I'd love that. I don't know. I don't know if you want to sound like Cardi B. I'm just kidding. No, we can just do the voice modulation. Yeah, we could do some voice modulation. But in any case, like you know, and also yeah, if you if anybody who's listening to this wants to share this story we could also probably uh, line up some way of recording your story and, and airing it uh, airing it on um, this program at some point yep yep so we want to make sure that people are sharing their stories all the time can we do the matching matching funds yeah before okay. we close, go for it so in order to do this wonderful work that we do yes um we need money right we live under capitalism so we need money and so one of the things that you know we're not funded by any corporations you know we're not funded by any banks you know, um, for us, that's very important in order to feel that we're able to have to do our most honest and sincere work protecting mm-hmm. tenants. And so um, in order to do that, though, we need to raise a lot of money. So to do that right now, we have a matching dollars campaign. So we have a very generous and kind um, donor who's willing to match all donations through the month of August um, for up to um, $25,000. Wow. So that means that if you give us $1, it poof becomes two. Nice. If you give us $5... Bam, it becomes 10. Wow. So, um, you know, we would, so if you can donate any time between the end of, before the end of August, um, your donation will instantly double. And, um, and we would really, 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 really appreciate that. How can they do that? How can they donate? So they can go to www.tenantstogether.org and we have a link on our front page for you to, um, Go to the matching dollar site also, or you could just go to the donate button as well. Mm. Um, all donations are super appreciated and um, super needed. So definitely, please, please, um, if you have a minute, if you have five dollars, you have two dollars, whatever, it will become it will it will double instantly. So nice. um, yeah, so please help us out because we want to help out all California renters. Yes, we do. We do. And when it when it continue also with programs like this and other things that we have up our sleeves because we are trying to change that narrative. Well, we are done, guys. We got through our first podcast. We did it. Woo-hoo. Woo! Yeah. High five! <laughs> High five! So just to quickly, when I uh, just to wrap up, I just want to give a shout out to Jorge Rivera, who's down in SoCal. He's our Southern California regional coordinator. If you're in Southern California, you want to reach out for organizing needs, you can reach out to Jorge at Jorge at tenantstogether.org. I am in Northern California, so if you want to reach out to me uh, regarding organizing needs, uh, my email is eduardo at tenantstogether.org. Thank you so much for listening to us. This is the Tenants Together Renter Power Hour, and you will hear us back next month, hopefully. Bye. Bye.